0: from the August 1959 issue of the A.A. Grapevine. Sam, what's the only thing worse than being unhappy? The only thing worse than being
1: unhappy is being happy and not knowing it. I I heard heard it through through the the grapevine. grapevine. Welcome,
0: it's the A.A. Grapevine half hour variety hour featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina, a zany, crazy
1: alcoholic. (laughs) Hey, everybody, I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, guess what? It's a new month,
0: and what do you think came in the mail but a white, invulnerable, sealed plastic envelope with the melodic message printed in the upper right-hand corner, periodical postage paid at
1: Plattsburgh. (laughs) That's a lot of peas. I love alliteration. <laughs> you got the magazine. That's right. I've got it on the app on my phone, the brand new Grapevine app. But either way, the new Grapevine is here. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> this month's issue features powerful stories about the challenges of mid-sobriety. Our guest today wrote and submitted the story, When Life Happens. A sober woman, super active in the program, shares about the pain of losing her mother and how the fellowship got her through.
0: Life happens, and it can deliver a blow sober or not. In the story, Cash and Prizes, a man at 10 years sober finds himself angry and miserable, focusing
1: on cars and money and no AA. And a member totally overwhelmed with work at 12 years sober finds a sure AA way to some peace in a fresh perspective. How many of us have admitted we were alcoholic only to discover we were also workaholic?
0: Sam, I always like to see the double page spread of the 12 steps and 12 tradition window shades on the back page of the magazine. They're always hanging on a different background did you notice last month, September? I hope whoever hung those shades used the drill and expansion anchors. That's a brick wall. And those shades will surely fall down before the month was over. But it, it is a nice festive diamond pattern painted on the brick in orange and gray colors. And uh, it makes me think did the local church youth group paint the basement walls to liven up the place and then AA has a meeting there?
1: <laughs> Don, you poor thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this month, it looks like the same youth group
0: got even more creative on an outside wall and whoever it was hung the shades, but they hung the shades At floor level. I mean, the bottom of the shade is touching the floor. Don, oh,
1: keep coming back. (laughs) Don, it's just different stock background photos pasted behind the shades each month. You're spending way too much time, like you do, thinking about this.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe so, but I love those quaint window shades and meetings. Yeah. Isn't it one of the 12 concepts, the traditional right to write the 12 steps on any window shade you see? I carry a marker around. No.
1: <laughs> well, okay. We have a guest and we know who it is. Don, as mentioned, today's guest is Annie C. from Parish, Florida, the author of When Life Happens. Her story is on page 16 of the October 2023 issue. Or search for When Life Happens in the app. Uh, Hey, Don, what are you playing with on your phone? We're supposed to be recording a podcast here. Sorry, Sam. I was just checking my spiritual fitness in the new Grapevine app. Oh, the daily spiritual maintenance checklist? Well, are you fit? Yep, says so here. And look. There's a daily quote and a sobriety calculator. And you can read the latest issue and all of the past issues all the way back to 1944. And you can have the app read the magazine to you out loud as a playlist.
0: It's the monthly magazine in print and audio.
1: Right in your pocket. The Grapevine and Lavinia apps are now available for both iOS and Android phones. To get yours, go to the App Store on your phone.
2: Hi, good afternoon, guys. I'm Annie. I am an alcoholic. I currently uh, reside in a town called Parrish, Florida, and my sobriety date is January 11th, 1991, and I am excited to be here with you guys today.
1: Annie, thank you so much for jumping into this craziness that is Don and a little bit Sam today. (laughs) Annie, have you ever decorated window shades?
2: Not the kind in Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. No.
1: Do you carry a magic marker around with you to write on window shades?
2: Actually, I do have a highlighter and pen in my purse at all times.
1: Yeah. Mm, I wonder what that's for. The big book.
2: The big book, the 12 and 12, and even the grapevine
0: magazine. <laughs> all right. So, Annie, what was going on with you? And would you say,
2: 1991? 1991 is when I got sober.
0: What was going on with you? That enabled you to go to an AA meeting.
2: The judge. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> one of those, eh?
2: <laughs> yeah. After uh, three DUIs, I finally um, went to a meeting because i I was looking at five years mandatory prison time, and I figured if I went to AA, I would stay out of prison. But I really wasn't ready to start to sober up. I just figured I would stay out of jail and figure out how I could clean my life up just a little bit because I never really stopped drinking, obviously, with three DUIs and repeated jail stints and repeated visits in front of the judge. Something happened that last jail stint. I remember standing in the room with a bunch of women, and I thought I was at an AA meeting. I was at some sort of a church meeting, but they were saying a prayer after the meeting. And I just started bawling my eyes out. And a couple of days later, I made a call to my local intergroup office to find out where the AA meeting was. And I went two days later.
0: Do you think that's the moment that you surrendered?
2: I think it was. I think I knew at that point when I was in that jail cell. And, and something just came over me and I look back at it now and it was God nudging me that, look, I am here taking care of you. All I know is that I went, I don't completely recall what they said, what I did. I remember picking up a white chip, not sure exactly what the white chip was all about. When I walked into that meeting, I was scared. I didn't want to be in the position that I was. And I remembered the words the woman on the phone told me from Intergroup, which was I never, ever had to feel the way I was feeling at that moment again. Something touched me deep inside. It was her voice. And here I am. Didn't do everything the right way. But I kept coming back because there was something in the room.
1: You remember so strongly how you felt going into that meeting. Do you recall how you felt at the end of that meeting?
2: At the end, I recall that I was overwhelmed. People kept coming mm-hmm. up to me. They kept handing me phone numbers and giving me hugs. And all I wanted to do was just get out of the room. Ooh, yeah. Because <laughs> it was like, I it was enough. I didn't want to initially be there. My my motive wasn't true at that point. I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure about giving up alcohol yet. I just knew that if I was in AA and going to these meetings, maybe I wouldn't go to prison.
0: So the surrender that it ultimately takes to get sober happened gradually?
2: For me, it happened gradually, yes. That initial meeting was great, but then I picked up on the laughter in the room.
1: pretty powerful various stuff.
2: meetings and and that was very powerful. yes. Initially you know the selfish self-centered persons that are laughing at me for some reason, probably because I'm new, but then I learned that that was something that was missing in my life. By the time I got my bottom and towards the rooms of AA, I had very little laughter going on in my life.
0: That was my experience as well. I remember when I came in, I guess it was it was about six months sober, was the first time that I was like spontaneously laughing and actually found myself singing in the shower. And I realized like this hasn't happened to me in years.
1: Something was working in AA. I recall a sponsee that came to a Saturday night meeting that was in a church basement. And he thought he was in the wrong place because there was so much laughter going on downstairs that he went upstairs instead
2: to look for the meeting. Yeah, where I got sober, we always had a lot of laughter going on. We would find ourselves at times directing people back to where they came from because we met behind a bar. The AA meeting room was on one side of the, and then the bar was on the other. And people would walk in, and because we would be laughing, and they would think they were walking into the bar and they were walking into <laughs> an AA meeting.
1: Just <laughs> yeah, walking in, it's still a room full of drunks. They're just sober drunks.
2: Still, my people. not drinking alcohol.
1: Yeah. Well, it's
0: attractive and it's different than what I thought AA was because I also thought people would be there trembling, hanging on to each other. Don't drink. Don't drink. You know, it's not that way at all. It's like people are laughing and enjoying life.
2: And, you know, I, I had a hard time because my perception of what an alcoholic was, was not what I looked like. You know, I had the job, I had the house, I had the vehicle. My perception was that homeless person with a buggy filled with cans and and living on the street.
0: What makes an alcoholic?
2: For me, it was I consumed my quota of life's alcohol too quickly. (laughs) (laughs) And my thinking was very warped which I learned going through the steps.
1: But you went through the steps and you got the result of working the steps. And this was some time ago. In the article that's published in this month's grapevine, you write about a difficult time you went through and started pulling away from the program, right?
2: Yeah. For me, when I first got sober, I had a couple of challenges, which tested me in sobriety. For me, I experienced the loss of one of my parents at one year of sobriety. And luckily, though, you know, my first two years in Alcoholics Anonymous, I had no choice. I was ordered to Alcoholics Anonymous.
0: Did you resent that?
2: Oh, yeah. The Department of Corrections was definitely on my fourth step when I first got <laughs> to Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> but afterwards, looking back, it was the best thing because of I needed the discipline. I see. But getting back to your question, Sam, with the adversity, I would... Think I need to fix this instead of we need to reach out because there were some things that were still very private that I didn't want to share necessarily with an entire AA meeting, but I would with the women in my circle and those that were very close to me. My list that I, I know now is AA comes first, God second, family at times during some of these challenging times in my sobriety, that list would get all kind of skewed up. So it, it was challenging, but I always reached out to those closest to me and to my higher power right before I was hitting that bottom point of emotional turmoil.
1: You know, one of the things that stood out to me as I was reading your article, it showed me the importance of being connected to a home group. These, this circle of women in that group who knew you, and even though you said you were okay, they knew you weren't.
2: Yeah, I wear my emotions on my face and in my voice a lot of times. And during that period, I would still keep up with my service commitments that I had. But being involved, you can still hide out in AA, Mm -hmm. in a home group, even if you're still going. And what I have learned over the years is for me, while I can be involved in my home group, if I am not sharing with someone what's really going on with me, been sharing in a general way in my home group, things that are going on in my life, I'm losing out on two things. One, I'm not gaining the recovery I need and the solutions that I might need. But I've learned there might be someone else in the room that's going through something very similar or has gone through something very similar that can share that solution with me or that they don't have to feel like they're alone like I did.
0: Yeah. And if I withdraw into myself, I'm doing the very opposite of the very beginning of the first step. We admitted we were powerless. You know, we talk about working the steps. What does that mean? Can you describe like in a stressful situation, how do you work the steps?
2: Well, the first thing I try and do is just pause, just pause for a moment, take 30 seconds and breathe. And typically then I will recite either the serenity prayer, the third step prayer, or I will try to sit and reflect on the meaning behind the eleventh step prayer. Am I trying to be that channel? Am I trying to be loved? Am I in a situation where I can help someone else, even if it's totally out of my control by just saying a prayer to that person? Or is it a situation where I need comforting and I just have to ask God to just comfort me and just put me at peace and let me see what happens just get me through it without having to get so worked up where some of my defects of character start coming out
1: is there a uh, an element of ego that shows up after you've got some amount of sober time that says i need to look good
2: i think so and also you know i've been active in general service and i think at times yes the ego comes back I can recall a situation I literally could barely get a sentence out because I was so grateful to the fellowship for the opportunities that I have been given over the years that my ego crushed itself somehow. I, I don't, I can't put it into words at our area assembly. I literally could barely get my name out to just. Sh- are my true, deepest inner feeling, and it, that came out through gratitude tears. That always reminds me to look back at where have I come from? I came from a jail cell, and just like that, that day in that jail cell, where there was something that in, enveloped me, and I cried because I was okay. I was going to be okay, and I think that's what occurred. In some of the some of the journeys I've had. You know, throughout these years of sobriety, God has a way of knocking on my door and saying, Okay, I'm gonna bring you back to right size. Mm. (laughs)
1: Annie, what does a week look like in your recovery today?
2: Okay. Well, let's see. Home group meets on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Fridays.
1: Okay, I'm gonna stop you right there.
0: What's a home group?
2: Well, for me, my home group is a meeting that I am at. And I participate in by either making coffee, making cookies or cakes, bringing all that, sharing meetings, attending our monthly business meeting, trying to share with others what's going on outside of the room that we meet in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. I do a lot of sharing about AA Grapevine. They're like, well, you can be the Grapevine rep. I'm like, no, I've done that. (laughs) <laughs> Time for someone else to learn.
0: So you go to your home group three times a week.
2: And then I have some committees that I serve on. Sometimes once a month, we have a meeting virtually like we are now. And I am also fortunate to serve on the AA Grapevine Editorial Advisory Board.
0: What is that? Ooh.
2: That is about six or eight of us. We're from around different regions, U.S. and Canada. And we try and focus on what the local community likes, wants to see maybe some changes in. So we use our AA Grapevine magazine. What stories are being published? Are they acceptable to all of that? Do they like those? Do they want to see a different format? Are they aware of all of the books that AA Grapevine has? So we're the ears and the eyes at the local level. And we pass that information back on to the senior editor at Uh, our meeting.
1: Is there anything that has shown up in your doing this work that was a surprise to you?
2: Yes, actually. I am amazed at how many AA members are unaware of all of the things that Grapevine has of the different books and the different topics. You know, they had no idea. The podcast, that's been a big hit where I live, but then now, obviously, the app and the Carry the Message project is very big.
1: What is the Carry the Message project? Can you sum that up Carry quick? the
2: Message is a project where those that are behind the walls, alcoholics, that do not have subscriptions for AA Grapevine. And so a group can do a yearly subscription to carry the message, and then people will get a grapevine to read while they're behind the walls. They can't get out to a meeting. Wonderful project.
1: One more question, and then we're going to move on to the Ask It basket. Just how hard was it to write and submit an article to the grapevine?
2: It wasn't difficult. However, where I always got caught up was... punctuation the is this going to be too long and then I said oh I know they'll fix it for me so which is something people aren't aware of they're afraid that Mm -hmm. if they don't have great writing skills they can't submit anything no we have great editors they will assist they will clean it up and make you look good
1: fantastic
0: it's time for the ask basket
2: what's that
0: that's the name Bill W. gave the basket that was passed around for questions. We want your questions for our guests. General recovery questions, newcomer questions, AA history. Got a question for the Ask It basket? Go to aagrapevine.org
1: and click on podcast. And now let's dip into the basket. Rebecca B. wrote in asking us to discuss confusing sayings in AA. She says, good day, Don and Sam. With four exclamation points. (laughs) I've only started listening a couple of weeks ago because I heard it talked about at the assembly for Area 10. Well, good. Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys and this podcast. I clean houses for a living and podcasts are my go-to. I have questions and hope you two can answer some on the episode sometime. Thanks, Rebecca. Cleaning houses is kind of like what I used to do for a living,
0: painting houses. You have lots and lots of time to ponder the immensities.
1: (laughs) Ooh, you need to make a bumper for a new regular segment. Pondering the
0: immensities with Don and Sam.
1: With spiritual gas giant Don and little Sam. (laughs) A little wee little Sam, <laughs> well, he'll put
0: in his two cents as well. <laughs> Rebecca brought us some good ones to the ask it basket, but we're going to ponder just the first one that
1: she offered today. Rebecca writes, quote, God is everything or he is nothing, end quote. And then she continues, sounds like black and white thinking to me. My doctors and sponsors always tell me not to think in black and white terms. And if God is everything, then he is the nice old man and the bully kid down the street. He is war, genocide, and abusive parents, as well as bumblebees and puppy dogs and kittens. I know the first part not to be true now, but at five years sober, still trying to figure out this one. I did learn God loved me as much on my worst day and worst actions as he does on my best days filled with service. So I try to focus on that when I start thinking too hard on it. Thanks, Rebecca.
0: Ooh. Rebecca, that's a deep one there. I struggled with that as well. Of course, I struggled with the whole idea of God when I first came in and the God of my understanding, which I was like the God of my misunderstanding, I I thought I had to describe God and to be able to work the steps. I had to have a complete concept, understanding of God and how it all works, the whole universe, how it works. And no, I think what the point of that, because I fought this line in the big book, God is everything or he is nothing. I don't like black and white thinking. The world is not black and white. But I don't think that's really what the point of that is. I think the point of it, God is everything or he is nothing, is am I going to surrender or am I not? Am I going to surrender my will or am I not going to surrender my will? Don, quit fighting. Give it up. If I go to that, I'm perfectly okay
1: with the sentence. Hmm. Annie, what do you think?
2: That was a heavy-duty question. (laughs) Isn't it? But you know what, uh, Rebecca, that was a great question, though, because I I struggled with the the God concept when I first came in. And I was so fortunate that my sponsor had me create a new image in my mind and in my heart where. It was, it was a concept that I could be okay with. It, she said, if you look at the third step, how it's actually written.
0: Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him.
2: You have a loving God that is caring for you. And she goes, not just one day a week, but every single day of the week. And she reminded me to look back at all of the jackpots I got into prior to coming into Alcoholics Anonymous, did I get myself out of those? Or was there just some, I don't know if I would want to say a coincidence, but just some little miracle that happened. You didn't drive into that bridge or you didn't didn't get into a car accident that night or whatever it was, but it was that you had a higher power or the God of your understanding taking care of you from day one. So for me, it's all about that third step. Have I gotten to that place where I am allowing a loving God to take care of me today? Or am I still fighting? I had a God taking care of me. I just had to bring my mind and my heart back into that perception of it's a loving God taking care of me. So... mm -hmm.
1: As an atheist, my experience of spirituality and of power greater than myself of God in recovery has been uh, a path. It's been a, uh, an ever-changing and explored thing. Um, the thing that popped to my mind, I instantly turned to page 68 of the big book. Here's an interpretation of a concept presented in the big book on pages 68 and 69. It talks about sex But I think it easily applies to talking about God. So this is a a little bit of a rewording, but it says, Now, about God, many of us needed an overhauling there. But above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes, perhaps. It goes on to say, we want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's concept of God. Um, when I first came into recovery, I tried to figure out God. I tried to define God. I tried to do whatever it was that could make my mind wrap around this thing. And then ultimately I decided that I'm just going to let go of that because the things that I'm doing have worked Absolutely amazingly in my life, living this program, Um, I don't need to know what that thing is or isn't. I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. I have my thoughts and my thoughts have changed over the years, and I'm happy to discuss those in one-on-one conversations with people. But it's not something that I present in a way that could be construed as me trying to convince someone else that this is what it should be. Yep. Yep.
2: Good stuff.
0: It's such a big topic of what is God. Each person has to come to their own conclusion with that. But in AA, there is a surrender that we do, and you got to figure out what you're going to
1: surrender to. (laughs) And we have that fantastic phrase that is repeated twice, as we understand him, as we understand God. And that is a huge addition that opens this program up to all of us.
2: It's a very inclusive statement.
1: Yeah. Rebecca, thank you so much for that question. And wow, that's going to get some people talking about it outside of listening to the podcast too, I'm sure. Yeah, we'd like to hear from listeners. Absolutely. And Annie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real joy getting to know you a bit.
2: Well, thank you both very much. It's been great getting to know you two as well. And the best of luck on your journeys.
0: Thanks, Annie. Hi, folks. What stories do you tell about the big book? Was there sometime in early sobriety a passage suddenly lit up for you? Did you struggle with a passage? Perhaps you have a fond memory of reading with your sponsor or group. Tell us your favorite big book memories. Stories are due October 15th, 2023. Visit aagrapevine.org to submit. Watching over me, Adeline. Every night when I get up to pee, I open the bathroom door and he turns the light on. When I close the door, he turns the light off.
1: I must be blessed.
0: You're not blessed, Mr. Blotto. You're peeing in the refrigerator. Stop it. (laughs)
1: it's really not that funny thanks for joining us the aa grapevine half hour variety hour is posted every monday and is produced by aa grapevine inc we don't speak for aa as a whole we share the experience strength and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find A.A. Grapevine on Instagram and the A.A. Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about A.A., Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit a.a.org.